welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and I'm here with my friend, Charles Browning, Father Chuck. Hey, what's up? Uh, Matt is not here at the moment. Uh, look, I'll, I'll be upfront about it. Grateful Dead tour. <laughs> it's right. It's 420, and uh, he's... <laughs> He's with the Grateful Dead. Who would have known that Matt was a deadhead? <laughs> Nobody would have known. Almost yeah, that, as much, almost, almost as much as he digs fish. Did you know, you know that? Yeah, you know, there've been those moments where I thought I, I thought I heard fish playing in his car when <laughs> I would pull up to record sometimes, but I never, I never pegged him for it. But now that it's out there, yeah. So I mean, uh, I think he made a stop at Coachella first. Is he going to go to Burning Man this summer? <laughs> I don't know. I think he said he said something about going to Joshua Tree and doing something there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Good for him. Good for him. (laughs) Something about he had he has a friend who is a snake. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, I love it. (laughs) Um, And uh, and of course, you know, last this past week's episode, we we allowed me to do all the all the heavy lifting by. You know, so the difficult work that I did for, for that oh. we did for this where I just I posted my sermon. You did, I, and and it was a very good sermon. I liked it a lot, Chuck. I liked I liked the um, um, comparing it to uh, the, the story of resurrection to uh, the Passover and that sort of dichotomy. I thought that was really interesting. Well, thank you. And I, I love that you referenced Mad Max Fury Road, and I'll never look at <laughs> the story of Moses the same way ever again. See, that's the that's the that's that's the plan. You know, it's it's funny you mention this because one something I was thinking about the other day, and I don't know if maybe this could be fodder for a future episode, but I was thinking about like putting like what would it like like putting together a cinematic Bible, oh, yeah. like you know, looking at like if you're gonna like watch the Bible, mm-hmm. like what movies would you need to watch? Oh. You know, so, so like, like, but like not not like biblical movies, but like just like Mad Max or something. Oh well, I, I I wasn't even thinking about that angle, but that's an interesting thing. No, I was thinking actually oh. biblical movies, oh, okay. like actual adaptations. But like, you know, what what would it be like? Because because it, it it struck me about how much of the Old Testament has not been filmed. Yeah, there's a lot of New Testament stuff. I know there's like a whole there's a huge video series of the Gospels. Uh, one of them I, I got one for Christmas <laughs> back when VHS was a thing. I had like a huge voluminous VHS box set. It's probably still in storage somewhere. That was I think the Gospel of. Matthew or Mark, and um, it really is a word-for-word adaptation of the gospel. And right, like they, and there they, was they have like the the verse numbers on the corner of the screen and stuff whenever they go through it and quote it. Right, and there was that, um, and then right around the time the Passion of the Christ came out, there was that um, Gospel of John movie, which was a word-for-word adaptation of the Gospel of John. It might, I think, that might be the same series, the same company, and stuff that that, that does that. Yeah, it was interesting. I saw that in theaters, and um, really? yeah, it was interesting because there was clearly a church group in the theater with us, yeah. and there was lots of, mm-hmm, amen. <laughs> That's my favorite. I love it. Um, <laughs> Bro, I, I got that when I was sitting in on uh, the Omega Code 2. That's, that's wow. <laughs> when Satan wow. was getting defeated, there was like, mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> well, you know, and... Yeah, I mean that's and that that that's that's funny. But yeah, you know, I was just thinking about like maybe that could be a, maybe that could be an episode, like a whole episode about like what movies. But that's an interesting idea of also thinking about it, like what other movies might be 
sort of biblical yeah. references that we could put in like as a as right. uh, yeah, so that's what we do yeah maybe check before we get into business here yes i feel like we need to address something in just a few Ooh. words you know it's just you and me so we can get by pretty quick uh something occurred last week and we got to witness it in all of its its glory and wonder and it captured our imaginations and got us excited to live again i'm of course talking about fate of the furious <laughs> I, I didn't see it really no i i, was, I have on, i have only seen the fast and the furious yeah and tokyo drift that's <laughs> the only movies i've seen from that series well those are two great films i was actually hoping you think i was leading up to the last jedi i should have said eighth installment in the series oh uh, yeah I, I figured you were i figured you were heading there. i mean that's that's what i thought and then you threw me through the loop there <laughs> Um, uh, well, yeah, Fate of the Furious, I saw it. It was wonderful. Go see it. But um, The Last Jedi premiered their trailer. What did you think, Chuck? I I have to say that I don't I, – I, okay, I'm, I'm going to say this first. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm very looking forward to it. Hearing Luke Skywalker talk in that trailer made me very, very excited because I have been wanting to see more of Luke Skywalker – for a really long time. And four years ago, I guess it was about, about how long ago Force Awakens came out, right? Four years ago. Uh, that was like two years ago. <laughs> was it? Okay. Two years ago. Whenever. Whenever it was. Um, I felt a little teased. Yeah. That Luke just stares, you know, somewhat it's... angrily into the camera. And yeah. so I – and not a single line uttered. <laughs> and so – to see that he's going to be such a major part of this of this installment really makes me excited. Yeah. That being said, I think I don't think the trailer was all that good. No. I liked it. Again, I'm right. I'm very excited because of Luke Skywalker and all of that. Yeah. And 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 excited to see Rey and her training and all of that sort of stuff. But I did not get the same reaction that I saw like everyone on the internet get. Okay. Like where people are like losing their minds. <laughs> over over the trailer and like already like think pieces and speculation and i don't know i don't know if i'm at a different season in life or what's going on maybe or maybe because i'm not really on social media that much anymore if it's just a different thing for me now but like i'm just sort of i look at it i'm like I, yeah i mean it's i'll see it when it comes out and i'm excited that it's happening but i don't know i just didn't think that it was a game-changing trailer yeah i mean i i thought I was pretty excited when I saw it, and I I I, I might have um, hollered at my screen. I watched the the whole Star Wars Celebration live stream, not the whole thing, but like uh, a good number of the panels and stuff, which were a lot of fun. Um, but I, I was pretty excited, and I think as a teaser, it kind of does what it's supposed to do, which I think is mostly just to get you hyped, you know. And yeah, and I was as a teaser, it was more effective than the Force Awakens teaser. Yeah. I mean, the first one, the first Force Awakens teaser, which is, you know, just like a couple shots. It's like really the big thing is that shot of Millennium Falcon. And then, of course, we get that clip of Chewie and Han. Yeah, well, that, that was in the trailer that just, premiered at Celebration. Oh, was it? Whatever that was. Yeah. The teaser just showed like the new people. And then the trailer showed Han and Chewie. Okay, well, whatever. People went nuts over it. Um, yeah. But I, I liked it. And I, and I liked, and I think like even for a teaser, like it's it did kind of reveal. 
that they were embracing a new kind of direction with in terms of like the nature of the force and stuff. And right. We, and I've talked about this a lot. I'm surprised we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, but I can't wait. Uh, but the whole idea of like, you know, he asks her, what do you see? She says, I see, I see the light and I see darkness. And then he says, it's so much bigger. So I'm very, and, very curious about uh, seeing what direction they go in concerning that. Yeah. And, and I think like, I just watched Rogue One with my wife. She hadn't seen it yet. So we watched Rogue One the other night. I bought it. Yeah. And I love Rogue One. Um, and the thing I love about Rogue One is I love Jedha, the scene in Jedha. Right. Yeah. And I love seeing all the different like pilgrims. Yeah. The idea that there are all these people of varying ideas and sects and all this, that they have their own ideas about the force. It's not just the Jedi and the Sith. Right. That like there's sort of like the force equivalent of like Muslims and like the force equivalent of like Mormons. And, you know, like that that kind of thing was cool to me to see. And that's why I'm really kind of hoping that that's sort of the direction they're going with it is really expanding out this universe Mm -hmm. because that was the thing I think about Rogue One that made me feel the most excited was just how lived in and expansive the universe felt. Right. Like it took like the cantina scene to like a whole never, a whole nother level. Yeah. And like even force awakens began that work because there was, um, her name escapes me, but the, the, the alien that runs the, the runs that like Uh, bar Maz Kanata. Yes. Maz Kanata. Like, she's aware of the force and is even somewhat sensitive to the force, but she's not a Jedi. Yeah. And so like, they're kind of leaning to that idea. I think that like you said, it, like, like Luke says, it's much bigger. Right. And so it's not just a matter of, Oh, this side and that side, like that's just sort of like, that's sort of the main denomination and their struggle. But right. And then of course the, the teaser ends with him saying the Jedi have to end. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying and saying, I, like, I understand when people say it's not a very good trailer. I get it, but I think it oh, does. I, let me say, I don't, I'm not going to say, I'm not, I, I don't want to say it's make that sound like I say it's a bad trailer. Yeah. I just, for me, it didn't blow my mind the oh. way that I saw other people's minds get blown I see. by it. Um, but, you know, but that all being said, I am super excited about seeing <laughs> Luke Skywalker. <laughs> you and me both, buddy. I, I don't, we're not going to, we're not, we're not going to devote this entire episode to a teaser trailer. So, um, yeah, we're, we're not that kind of podcast. <laughs> no. Um, but that does sort of uh, make for a good segue into what our topic will be today. Uh, today, we thought we would talk about the fantasy genre. Yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing me it's taken us this long to even touch on it. Yeah, you know, we, we've talked about uh, Tolkien and stuff. And right. And we've sort of talked about Harry Potter. And we've talked about C.S. Lewis every now and then. But I wanted to do a, a sort of a broad... Uh, but also kind of in depth, like just look at the genre, uh, because I, I, and, you know, Matt's not here, but I know he's a huge, he's a fantasy nerd too. I'm a fantasy nerd. I'm pretty sure you could consider yourself a fantasy nerd to to some extent. I, you know, I, 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 I know that you're wanna, mostly a sci-fi dude. Here's the thing: is I love I, I, I. Here's why I don't say I'm a fantasy nerd. Okay, is because I've met fantasy nerds. <laughs> And like, I, I feel like a poser. Oh yeah. Like I feel like a, that's one of those things where I feel like a poser around where it's like, like, you know, I can talk about like, I can talk about like the religious ideas in Tolkien and C.S. Lewis pretty well, but like, 
you know, when I'm encountering people who can like speak Elvish and <laughs> people who have like that, like even Game of Thrones is to like popular level, like that, right. like that's what the Philistines are reading. Like, uh, I people mean, that are, yeah, I, 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 I would say I agree with you, Chuck. I mean, I said that Matt's a fantasy scenario and I'm a fantasy scenario. I, th- I would say that to an extent we are like we do love fantasy. And Matt and I both love Game of Thrones, and I've watched Game of Thrones all the way through, and I, I've watched many episodes repeatedly, and I know a lot. I've, I've read a lot of Wikipedia articles. I have not taken the plunge into the books because I'm I'm scared, uh, <laughs> because they're really voluminous and they're long. Um, but I, I'm with you, Chick. I, there are times where I do kind of feel like a poser. Like I have a friend who read all the books and has watched as much as I have, and when, when yeah. she and I talk to each other, I'm like. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm totally on your level. Totally. Yeah, and that's like, even like – and even like with sci-fi, like I realize that I'm pretty – I'm still – with all the kind of sci-fi stuff that I'm into, I'm still pretty surface-level sci-fi because like yeah. I can't tell you the first thing about Warhammer 40,000. <laughs> um, and I – you know, so it's – it's You've read Dune though. That 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 is a feat I have read Dune. That is a feat I have read itself. Dune. And this summer I plan on tackling Dune Messiah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. You, you think you're going to go through the whole series? I don't, I think I may just do Frank Herbert's initial trilogy. I don't know if I can if I want to go much further than that. But yeah, no. So I, I so yes, I do enjoy the fantasy genre. Yeah. Um, you know, but really for me, it's like like you're, you're a pilgrim. Lord of the Rings, huh? You're a pilgrim in a strange land. I'm a pilgrim. Yeah, I'm a pilgrim in a strange land, and like I know that there's a level that I have not crossed, and it's not that I'm averse to it. It's just I've only got so much time, man. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I, I do know what you mean. I mean, especially when you, you get to our age, you start realizing, like, well, I, I, I would love to watch all of Woody Allen's filmography, but. Um, I yeah. got a bunch of other movies I really want to watch, and I only have much time to watch those, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, and like, and like, and it's like, yeah, I, I really would love to like really get into like, you know, like a Song of Ice and Fire and all that stuff, but, yeah. but like, DC Comics is teasing Doctor Manhattan, man. Like that's <laughs> got my attention right now. So it's yeah. You don't yeah. have the time you used to have where you just where you would just read a whole series of books in a week. Right. Well, I will say within the fantasy stuff, I think the area where I where I'm much more gravitating toward things is not is is less like novels and role playing games and things like that, but is definitely video games. Oh, yeah. Um, Like I high school for me, man, was just like I only ever played like you know, JRPGs right. and like, yeah, that's Ocarina that's, of time, final fantasy seven, final fantasy eight. Like that was my, my final fantasy seven was my mythology, man. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. What, what fantasy did you grow up with? Yeah. What kind of fantasy and did for, you grow up with? And for me, it was definitely, it was definitely like super Nintendo and PlayStation role-playing games, mm-hmm. you know, Chrono Trigger, secret of mana, um, um, final fantasy. I mean, a lot of games actually, I'll admit I didn't finish. Yeah, but um, the, well, but they're, games, they're pretty in depth games. Yeah, and I will say the one the the greatest role playing game that I've ever played, and I've not been able to finish it because I damaged the disc, um, and then I later destroy. I, I later my Saturn, my Sega Saturn got destroyed in a hurricane. But was it was one of the last games that ever came out for the Sega Saturn? It was called Panzer Dragoon Saga, mm-hmm. 
It is the greatest, probably one of the greatest video games I've ever played. I would have maintained it as the greatest video game I ever played until Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Really? Um, yeah. What was it called again? Panzer, Panzer Dragoon Saga. Panzer Dragoon Saga. What, what was that about? Um, it, you, you, you ride a dragon and you do all of your battle through like airborne battles with dragons. Oh, I remember that game. Yeah, there were there was the Panzer Dragoon. There were two Panzer Dragoon games, and they were just shooters. Yeah. And then they did this role playing game, and the role playing game was super deep and really fascinating. Yeah, I and remember. the combat system was really interesting because you could evolve the dragon um, as you played the game into like different into different um, things. And um, but yeah, I um, in a in a in a in a moment of rage quitting, I, I may have damaged the CD <laughs> and. Um, um, and then I, I repaired the CD, and it worked. And then my Sega Saturn, which went in storage shortly thereafter, was damaged by Hurricane um, by Hurricane Jean yeah. um, oh, in 2004. Sorry. And, uh, yeah, so I've, I've got the game. And here's the thing about the game, JP. Um, it's, the, because it's, it was very limited, I think there's like 5,000 copies of the game ever made. Oh, really? Yeah, um, in the United States. Um, it sells for for lots of money really oh wow yeah and like part of me wants to sell it but part of me also kind of wants to buy a sega saturn and like start over and try to finish it you should man you should do that that'd be fun yeah but i've gotten this way of topic so that's fine Uh, well i'm thinking the game correctly it was sort of like star fox where you're on you're riding a dragon right is that yeah that was the those were the basic that was like panzer dragoon and panzer dragoon 2 okay um, Panjigun Saga, yeah, I think I think you're riding a dragon, but like combat was turn based, just like in a normal role playing game. Yeah. But what was cool about it was that you could move the dragon around, like in between turns, you had an opportunity to move the dragon. Mm-hmm. So you could like avoid attacks by moving the dragon, and then you could like locate weak points on the monsters you're fighting, and like launch your attacks there. Right. So. It was it was an interesting blend between sort of like the turn based role playing of Final Fantasy VII and then like the action role playing of like Zelda. Gotcha. Where like you're fighting actively. That's cool. Um, and um, yeah, so that was um, that really was a rich game. Uh, I love the world. I love the world building. It was a beautiful game. Um, and then of course, like I said, uh, you know, it, it held a very high, still holds a high place in my list of video games, but then Zelda breath of the wild came out recently and that has been pretty much all I've done with my life. (laughs) Um, other than, you know, you know, parenting and, and you know, Holy week. Um, well, were there any, um, like just kind of going back to like your youth or growing up or whatever, um, were there any TV shows or movies or anything from the fantasy genre that you, that, that would we include Buffy the vampire slayer? I mean, yeah. Because fantasy? We could. That's, I think, I think I th- there's an aspect of fantasy to Buffy, yeah. Yeah, I think that, I think Buffy for the first few seasons, you know, because as, as we point, pointed out a few episodes ago, I was, I'm a, I'm a bangel. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, um, I watched the show until, until they split off into two shows. Um, and um, um, I really, I really liked Buffy and the mythology. Yeah. Um, so I think that that, that was a, that was a big fantasy thing for me. Um, I, I, here's the thing though, is I was, I, I did not read like at all in high school. Oh yeah. 
So, yeah, I was really bad about that. I didn't start reading until I was in college. And that was when I started realizing that, like, all the people I really admired admired were readers. And so I needed to actually start reading books. I mean, I read, like, magazines. And I was pretty up to date on stuff through magazines and and whatnot. But I just was not a book reader. And um, and so the first book I ever bought to read all the way through as a, in college was um, was um, The Hobbit. Okay. And then I immediately launched into the Lord of the Rings. And it was actually I was like partway through the two towers when I found out that Peter Jackson was making movies. And then I got really excited. Oh, really? Yeah. So like I, I started reading them before I even knew there was an adaptation coming out. Oh, that's cool. Um, and um, but I will say the one fantasy, the one fantasy book, I read it in third grade all the way through. I love the movie as a kid. And to this day, the book holds a really special place in my heart. My my hardbound copy of the book sits on my nightstand to this day, and that is the Neverending Story. Nice. I love the Neverending Story. Now, what's uh, what's so great about the Neverending Story for you, Chuck? Turn around, <laughs> look. Yeah, the music. <laughs> no, um, I. It was one of these movies. I remember like Disney Channel advertising it, mm-hmm. and it, I was really intrigued by the advertisements for it uh, back when Disney Channel was awesome oh, when we were kids. Dude, can we talk about like Disney Nighttime? <laughs> yeah, dude, Disney Nighttime. It was one of those, it was like one of the Friday night movies or something. Yeah, and back then I don't think TCM was around, and like that's how I kind of got a, like a classic movie education. They used to show old horror movies and uh, black and white movies and stuff. Right. Um, like King Kong. That's the first time I ever watched that was on Disney Channel. Right. They would show that stuff. Yeah. And so one night they, they, they showed the never ending story. And so I watched it and it blew me away. And then I, and that was like in second grade yeah. or whatever. And so third grade, I had to read a book, you know, cause you have to, you know, you have to finish some kind of substantial book. You have to read so many, it was like a book it, remember book it. Mm, do you guys so. ever do book it? Book it was this thing where like you read too many books and they gave you like a personal pan pizza from pizza. Hut. It was like pizza. Oh Hut yeah. Yeah. I remember, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and I, you know, and I, there was a girl Leah in my in my grade who like devoured every book ever, and so I was like, I, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna compete with Leah. So I just sort of like gave up. But anyway, I decided that year to read, um, to read um, the Neverending Story, the book, and I was really amazed at how different it was from the movies because um, it, it sort of the book encompasses one and two, but they're of the movies, but they're so different, and um, and I don't know, I just really loved. It's just weird, you know, green skin, Native American uh, type character, Falcor the Luck Dragon, which is one of the greatest characters in literature. Yeah. Um, you know, the idea of being a being a kid, I think the thing that really resonated with me was sort of being a normal kid and wanting to live in a different world. Mm-hmm. And the book coming alive and sucking you into the book seemed like a really cool concept. Of course I wanted it to be like television or something else, not a book, but like the idea of like a fantasy world that I could somehow enter into right. um, was a very fascinating concept for me as a kid. And, um, and so I think that's why I like it now as, since I've gotten older, I really, the, I, the book is different. I've read it a couple of times since um, my childhood and it's um, a lot of theology um, deals with stuff from Karl Barth's theology that I learned in seminary, the whole idea of the nothing. Really? Um, it was, yeah. Um, was he also a Christian um, or is he a, well, that's the thing. Um, he's German. So Carl, and Karl Barth is a notable German Protestant theologian, wrote the uh, Church Dogmatics, um, the, the, one of the most significant theologians um, of the 20th century, if not the most significant theologian of the 20th century. Um, and so anyone who's German doing stuff is going to be engaging Karl Barth. 
uh, Michael End, the guy who wrote the book, is is German, and the original Neverending Story was written in German. Yeah. Um, but the um, but the thing is, is that there's some stuff at the end of the book, um, that sounds like the like central ideas from like Aleister Crowley. Oh, really? Yeah. So there seems to be some occultist type stuff in it. Hmm. But I um, but I think there's a really beautiful baptismal. I really think there's a bat, some baptismal imagery in it that makes it seem like there's more than just, you know, and it could be like Tolkien and other, or like C.S. Lewis and others, where there's sort of like a merging of mytholo- mythological ideas. Yeah. Um, in it, but um, you know, a little more Germanic um, than than European uh, or than like English, which is what's more we're more common. You know, Norse and English we're more familiar with. Right. Um, I guess Norse is Germanic, but whatever. Um, but anyway, so um, Neverending Story was probably my 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 thing, um, my my fantasy thing. I mean, Star Trek was my Star Trek was my was my jam though. That was my like <laughs> Star Trek and well, and hey, actually, I take it back. Here's I, I mean, Neverending Story definitely. I love Star Trek, which is definitely sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But let's point out something. Okay, Star Wars is huge for me as a kid, mm-hmm. and Star Wars is fantasy. It is not science fiction. I think Star. I think I think Star Wars is like a is like a is like a big pizza. And I think fantasy, <laughs> and I think fantasy is a slice of that pizza. I think you got other slices. I think you got western in there. I think you got wuxia films. I think you got, uh, you know, uh, Flash Gordon, space opera. Right. Yeah. Right. Fantasy is definitely, but I think you can enjoy Star Wars without having to indulge in the fantasy elements. You see, I I, th- here's. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can totally, um, you know, focus on like, I mean, like Rogue One is pretty science fictiony because it's about, you know, largely about military and stuff like that. Yeah, but like, I mean, there's mysticism, and I don't know. I feel like I feel like Star Wars is a little more fantasy oriented because it's not like it's the tech. Like, there's a technology piece in it, but the technology piece is not center stage. Right. The 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 force and the mysticism of that is much more center stage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things like the struggle against good and evil and whatnot. And that's why even like I know Dune is considered, you know, hard science fiction or whatever. Or soft, is it soft? Whatever. The, there's a whole difference between soft and hard science fiction. But Dune also feels to me a little more fantasy-esque than science fiction. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, for I, when I think of science, when I think of science fiction, I think of like, you know, the work of Mebus, you know, things like the fifth element, Ghost in the Shell um the the matrix anything by philip k dick or anything by philip k dick right like you know technology you know um uh, yeah well and and stuff like um and like um and and um, what's his face um gibson yeah yeah um uh you know um um, neuromancer um the cyberpunk genre all that kind of stuff like i feel like that like you know technology is it is like is a focal is a focal point and kind of it revolves around technology and its storytelling, whereas fantasy tends to deal much more with spiritual mm-hmm. things, and and so I feel like you know with Dune dealing with the idea of messiahs, um, with Star Wars dealing with the Force, mm-hmm. um, I feel that like they they bridge a little further into, I mean there's a difference between Star Wars and Alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and I and so I think that that's it leans a little, you know, that all, you know, the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek is is there, too, because Star Wars is is much more of a fantasy thing than Star Trek, where Star Trek is trying to, you know, project an idea of what the future could be for us in terms of technology and what that will do for us as a species. Right. 
Um, it's about knowledge rather than spirituality, whereas I think fantasy is at its heart very spiritual. Right. So do you think that's sort of why there's like a kind of a big Christian draw to fantasy is because uh, fantasy at a, is at its heart is spiritual? Because, I mean, you know, I think some of the best, I don't want to say Christian writing, but like Christians who are authors, some of the best ones worked in fantasy. Oh, absolutely. Um, like, yeah, obviously Tolkien. Right. Um, I mean, Tolkien's kind of a weird case because he he just really liked making up languages. I mean, we've talked about this before in the podcast. Yeah. I mean, he just and he needed he believed there had to be cultures in order for a language to exist. So he wrote those books largely to create an artificial culture for his languages because he was a strange man. Um, whereas C.S. Lewis, he utilized mythology as a way to sort of. Um, turn the crystal, which is a, a, a one of my seminary professors used that phrase. Um, on you know, so he, he was a little more into like allegory, right? Um, and using this stuff as a way to symbolize some other things and to communicate some stuff, but approach it from a different angle so that you see it with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, similarly to that is um, is John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, mm-hmm. which I think. You know, it's a really enduring Christian book. And that book is very fantastical. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I read that in high school and I was like, what is this? And they actually, we actually got to watch the movie and that made even less sense. Right. <laughs> and and what's funny to me about it is, in all of this, is that, so you have like Harry Potter. Right. Very, actually, very religious, very rooted in a lot of Christian symbolism and mythology. Um, but like, same thing happened with C.S. Lewis. is happened to J.K. Rowling. Um, there's a, there's a whole range of Christians who think that because it's, because it is fantasy, it's somehow evil. Yeah. And we've talked Uh, about that a lot. (laughs) Right. And, um, because it deals with like wizards and witches and all this kind of stuff, which has just always been very interesting to me because like you've got the book of revelation (laughs) in the Bible, which is like the most, like, like that's, that's the book that you airbrush on the side of a van. I know. <laughs> you know? Uh, well, we've talked about how metal the uh, book Revelation is, yeah. Right. And, like, it's – Revelation – the book of Revelation is fantasy, like, you know, in, in the strictest sense. Not meaning that it's, you know, you know, just, oh, like, I know somebody may hear that and think, oh, you mean that it's made up. Like, no, but it's, like, it's fantasy in that sense of, like, it's fantastical. Right. And it uses that fantastical thing to communicate a real world truth. And so we have the Christians have a a work of fantasy in like canonized book of Bible, you know, like right. canonized you know scripture. I mean, and it just fascinates to me that we're like, let's like, you know, like, oh, it's evil. It's like you have a book with like two dragons in it. <laughs> well, it's it. It comes. I, I don't know. We've talked about this before. I feel like we haven't talked about the origin, though. Like, it, it basically kind of stems from just sort of like a, a mistranslation, right? Where, I mean, I know people who have said that the reason they don't like fantasy is because magic is evil. And yeah. And that uses magic is evil. But, and then you're like, oh, that's not true. I'm like, oh, the Bible says magic is evil. Right. And I'm like, where? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, you're talking about, like, you talk about that part where it talks about sorcery, but, like, Thanks, King James, because that's the problem there, because the Greek word is pharmakia, which is like pharmaceutical. And, you know, and it's it's some people use it as a way to say, oh, no, that's actually referring to drug use. 
um, it's condemning drug use. And it's partly true where people would use like, you know, like there'd be people who like spray clouds of opium at people to make them think they're entering a trance and, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. And so that sort of magical sense that, you know, drugs are using for like an altered state, like that's really what it's talking about there. It's not talking about like the energies in creation. Yeah. Um, because that's, that's underscoring a lot in if you when you start kind of scratching with the surface, particularly in Jewish theology, which is the theology Jesus would have been a part of, because again, he was a Jew. He was a Semitic Jew. He wasn't some white guy. Right. Um, and so this idea that there are good and bad energies in creation and that like following the Torah cultivates these good energies. I mean, that's that's not that that's not too many steps away from white magic and black magic, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And plus ma- magic, but... is, magic is, is rad, man. Like it's fun. Like it, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. I, like, I've, I've been to church services where they've were like, you know, how dare you people let your children watch Disney movies, all that magic in those cartoons. I'm like, where's the joy in your life? <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, and I know we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, but it's like it's the same kind of thing with like heavy metal. Yeah. Like, oh, the imagery is satanic and evil. Therefore, the music is satanic and evil. And it's like, well, you know, some of it's just people will buy it because it looks that way. And <laughs> and like and the other and the other bit of it is that, you know, that stuff is also very closely related to fantasy literature. I mean, for yeah. crying out loud, um, Zeppelin did songs about the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, and you know, and it's just, it, it, it all goes back to the same thing where it's, you know, both like you find that as I found with heavy metal and I found with fantasy is that a significant chunk of this body of work is produced by very religious people. Right. The most significant contributions to the genre have been very intelligent and very devout Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and same, again, same thing you see within heavy metal as well as you see, yeah. In fantasy, in that regard, you know, Christians are involved in this stuff, and, um, and so yeah, it's just this weird thing where it's just like we'll just, just you know, it's like it almost seems like it almost seems like it's it's too there's too much intellectual work involved in reading it, and therefore because it involves too much intellectual work, it has to be bad. Like yeah. if it's not if it's not immediately and instantly and casually digestible, it's somehow wrong. And I feel like, you know, because fantasy is, you know, again, we've 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 talked around the fact that fantasy is not something you just like accidentally wind up, you know, into like right. you you have to make some effort. You know, you've got to do a little heavy lifting with fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. It requires um, an imagination for one. Right. You have to have a relationship with your imagination, like a like like a, I don't know if that makes sense. A relationship with your imagination. I, I don't know. But it has you have to be able to like, I don't know. You read Lord of the Rings because you you want to see Gondor, you know, and all of its right. glory. And um, I don't know. That's who it's for. I think. I mean, the course are great. They're, they're wonderfully written. Uh, but you know, it's 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 there's some, there's some escapism, but also uh, you know just the the desire to see something beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and it's interesting about that you mentioned the escapism piece because I feel like in my growing up, the escapism was seen as bad. Yeah, me too. And which is weird, right? Because mm-hmm. we also grew up being told that we're not we're not of this world, 
and that one day Jesus is going to like take us out of it, that we're going to escape this world as it falls apart around us. Well, I was told that it's sort of weird. I was told that if I keep escaping, I won't be able to tell what's real and what's not, and then I'll be um, I'll succumb to evil spirits because I won't be able to I won't be able to tell what's an evil spirit or, or a good spirit. That's kind of like that. Um, there's a that, you know, like Tom Hanks's first ever movie. Uh, yeah, it's, that's exactly what it is. Chuck. It's, <laughs> because it's, yeah, that TV movie about like Dungeons and Dragons, where like the, the guy can't tell the difference between reality and fiction, and like <laughs> that's what happens when you play Dungeons and Dragons. Chuck, did you not know that? Dude, dude, I don't know if I, I don't know if, we've, if since I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast about the time that I that my friend Pat. Wanted me to play Dungeons and Dragons. Ever tell the story? Did I tell the oh, story? Oh yeah, the you talked about the Satanic Panic episode where you—that's like, right. Okay—ran away to church. <laughs> yes, legitimately ran away to church. Yes. <laughs> he asked you to play Dungeons and Dragons, and you ran away to church. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's that's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. I, I love that you brought that back. But I was so, so I was you know, and to me, it's all it's all it's all wrapped together, and you know, because when I was growing up, like. You know, my mom and I, my mom's always been a collector type. You know, she's, she, my mom, maybe we should have her on the podcast talk about Barbie someday because my mom's like a Barbie expert. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's her fandom. Nice. Hi, mom. Because of that, like, and I got into Star Wars and, you know, like the kids these days, they don't know how good they have at JP. They really don't. They don't, man. They really we, don't. If we wanted Star Wars action figures, we had to go to collector stores and, like, Try to get them. Or those and, crappy Power of the Force action figures that like didn't look anything like Harrison Ford or Mark Hamill or Oh God, Carrie what? Fisher. Well, I remember when those came out. I remember I I happened to get like there was I walked to Target one day and there was just one random Luke Skywalker on the shelf. Yeah, there was no other Star Wars. It was just one random like like Luke Skywalker shirt, and it was like his like chest was gigantic and cut. <laughs> or have you seen the the Princess Leia from? from I had that? her. She, was, she looks like China <laughs> from. From wrestling, yeah, yeah, it was those were those were those were bad. But no, I'm talking about even before that, yeah. before those came out. Like oh, I was yeah. going, to, I was going to these collectible stores to buy things. You know, and plus being a Godzilla fan, it was the only place to get Godzilla See, toys. Chuck, I didn't even do that when I was a kid, and I wanted to play Star Wars and didn't have Star Wars action figures, and they weren't selling them. I had to use the action figures I already had to pretend that they were the characters from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my bat, like, my Batwing was 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 an X-wing. I had a plastic briefcase that was a Millennium Falcon. That's how I played Star Wars. <laughs> you had a briefcase that was a Millennium Falcon. That's amazing. <laughs> I would put my characters inside it. I had Peter Vinkman was my Han Solo, and Winston was Darth Vader. I don't know what I was. I don't, know what I, was <laughs> I don't think I would admit that, dude. <laughs> That's funny. I. I would use G.I. Joe's yeah. alongside Star Wars because they were the same scale. I could never cross scales, man. Like, if the figures oh. weren't the same scale, they could not interact with each other. Oh, yeah, that totally. really bugged me. Um, but, but yeah, so, like, and that's why I mentioned all of this because I would go to these collectible shows to buy – or collectible stores to buy Star Wars action figures if they had any. You know, so I'm walking into places like in Enterprise NC-1701 in, um, in Orlando or um, Wizard World. And um, most of the stuff was like there were some comic books, yeah. And then there were like fantasy novels, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, stuff. Yeah. And it's like you know I'm told that all of this stuff is evil, and I'm like surrounded by it. But it's like I have to get through it to get to the Star Wars toys that I want. And like, <laughs> I know my mom's my mom my mom's probably gonna be she's probably talking to the episode right now as I'm talking because she does that. She like is really active when she listens to our podcast. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but like. I, you know, she used to talk about how she would like feel like it was evil, like it's like in there, and I'm like, I'm just kind of like, 
did you really this this is it mom for real okay <laughs> did you did you really feel it was evil or was that like all the pastor and all of those books that they made you read all of that <laughs> bill gothard nonsense just like pounded into your head was it really that or was it like a discerning of the spirits it's just it's this present darkness come come to life man oh man you're walking right into a frank Peretti novel you're walking in the comic shop <laughs> but like but like so anyway i just mentioned that cuz like i was exposed to this stuff just by you know being around it yeah. and like i was always like intrigued by it like you know um what's the guy's what's the artist's name um frank um miller no 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 the guy who's like he's famous for like all these fantasy um covers of like just shredded barbarians. And... Oh, is he the guy who did like all the um, Mars Chronicles? Uh, yeah, artwork? yeah, I know what you're talking about Frank. Uh, it's an Italian name, Frazetta. Frazetta. Yeah, Frank Frazetta. Like, so I would like see his art, and I was so like intrigued by it. Yeah, and like. I had um, – and my friend Pat who was – played Dungeons and Dragons, his mother was like really into like – she had like a whole like bookshelf in their trailer because I grew up in a trailer and my mom hates I say that. But it's true. It was a double wide trailer. I don't care what she says. Um, I love you, mom. <laughs> um, we had we had like three-inch three inch long – three-inch pile brown shag carpeting and wood paneling. It was double wide trailer. Anyway. Humble beginnings. Yes. I love that trailer. I love living there. Um, but like I would go to like Pat's trailer and his mother had this bookshelf and it was like full of like you know really like dog-eared like Stephen King novels like you know those you know the, we've talked about like the paperbacks that are like kind of narrow like they got that weird like format that we don't like oh yeah yeah but like she had like mass bookshelves of all of, books, yeah. yeah the mass paperback she had like but she had like you know Stephen King novels in that format and she had like all these fantasy novels and like they had like fantasy stuff like like posters on the wall and yeah. um I looking back, she may have even been a Wiccan. I don't know. So there might have been some imagery of that in the house. And like, I don't know. I was just so like fascinated by like that whole side of things because on one hand it felt forbidden. Yeah. But on the other, it was like there's like this whole other world out here that I'm just like and, not engaging with. And, and can I just and, and just as a, as a small aside, can we talk about like old school fantasy art for a second? Like, dude, like the stuff you're talking about, like the Frank Frazetta covers. And like I, you know, I've read old school like Dungeons and Dragons source books and stuff. Like, I like that. Yeah, dude. Like, I have a new Dungeons and Dragons source book, and it's like I don't know. It looks like it looks like it's from a video game. Not right. That, not that that's bad. Like, it's, I think some of the video game art is pretty cool. But like, there's something about '70s fantasy art that just like really, dude, connects with me. Like, like this is fantasy to me. Like, well, I. I wish I wish Keelan were here actually because we 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 used to one of the things that Keelan used and I used to do to make each other laugh is we we would we would talk about this van that we were going to buy and air get airbrush on the side and we had this like increasingly ludicrous um, description of like this wizard riding a dragon where like he's holding aloft a trident or like a staff with a crystal but the crystal would serve as the turn signal yeah and like you know. <laughs> Awesome. Um, you know, like actual fur for his beard, not just airbrushed on. I That's mean, a we great just great idea. Oh, dude. Like I think the, behind it was a volcano and the volcano would serve as the exhaust. Like we pipe that we'd like rig the exhaust to go up to like this, you know, the diesel smoke is coming out of the volcano as you're driving. It was just ridiculous stuff. But like you would have gotten so many chicks. 
dude, <laughs> bro. But like, but like, you know, when you hear the phrase "bitchin' van," <laughs> yeah, like that. You know, you think of like that fantasy artwork airbrush on the side of that, and just rush blaring out the windows. Just dude. rush. Yeah, or like, or like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like Mario Speedwagon. Dude, I'm thinking of something even more like guitar heavy, a little bit harder, but like some Zap, dude. Maybe some Floyd. Yeah, nice. But like, but like that kind of fantasy. Oh yeah, dude. Like that's of a time. It is, and I think I think for me personally, I think it resonates so much is because back in like the '90s, I used to read catalogs for comic books and stuff. Like that's that's yeah. Because we didn't have we didn't have internet back then to kind of look at this stuff to look at stuff online. So you found catalogs. And these catalogs didn't just have comic books. They also had fantasy novels and stuff. And, like, when you're looking at this, it was all old school stuff. And yeah. Like, this is my world. <laughs> I mean, it, it, well, not not exactly. I mean, I only know it by the covers. I never really read a lot of the stuff. Like, you know, me growing up, I wasn't a big fantasy nerd at, at all until high school when I started to – the Lord of the Rings movies were coming out and Harry Potter was coming out, uh, the movies. And I started to kind of dabble in the books a little bit, but I was like, it was so, I don't know, there was a lot of, lot of, lot, so much to get into, and I didn't know where to start. Um, well, I remember but, speaking to that end, because like, I speaking to that end was, um, I think we got it. They had a, um, they had like a bookstore. Maybe you remember this. I, there was like a store that, like, it was a gift shop store. It had like books and stuff in it that was near, um, the Indiana Jones, um, Temple of Doom stunt, spe- stunt spectacular at Disney MGM Studios. Yeah. That sold like, uh, the epic stunt spectacular. Thank sorry, you. sorry. I used yeah. to work there. But like they, there was like it was like a bookstore or there was like a store and they had like books, but like they had like, maybe it was affiliated with, um, maybe it was somehow affiliated with, um, the Great American Hollywood because I feel like they had like Necronom Four. Really. But I, I, maybe they did. Maybe I'm, I'm confusing it with something else. But anyway, I bought at one of these stores shortly around the time that I went to I went on the Hollywood studio the the, the Great American Movie Ride because there's a section where where you're on the Nostromo with Alien. Yeah. And I was obsessed with Alien. Um, I loved the toys. I was not allowed to. Uh, eventually, my mom thought they were they were all like possessed of the devil, and she took them all away from me. Um, love you, mom. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, and she wouldn't let me see the movie. It took, I mean, years of begging to finally see the movie. But anyway, all of that being said, there was this science fiction toy price guide and, yeah. and, um, it had like a couple of alien things in it, Dune things. And like, so like reading through that book was how I was exposed to a lot of like that kind of like 70s sci-fi fantasy stuff that was related to like toy collectibles. Yeah. And I just remember pouring over it and just like wondering about it, like, what is all this stuff? You know, because we didn't have the internet like we do now. We can just go look it up. Like it was just all yeah. like, what is it? Like, what is Dune? Right. Like that sandworm looks awesome. What is that? Um. And so for years, I just didn't know what it was, and I was just so fascinated by like that. And like, yeah. And then like seeing like these Frank Frazetti pictures and like, like seeing like these just like you know again like shredded barbarians like <laughs> slaying dragons and like other kind of beasts and be like yes I, w- I want to find out what that's all about right yeah but i don't know how to get it <laughs> <laughs> um, um well to, to shift gears a little chuck talk a little bit more about the, sort of the nuances of, of fantasy oh um, sorry 
sorry, I hate to interrupt, but I feel like one thing that just on this subject, and I don't want to miss it, and we can cut some other stuff out for the sake of time um, in this area, but I think one thing that we have to acknowledge, because you're right, 70s era sci-fi, or 70s era fantasy is really where it's at. Yeah. And do you know who recognizes that? Yeah. I'm going to get his name right, wrong, but was it, is it Taita Wakini? Is that? Oh, uh, Taika, Taika Watiti. Taika Watiti, the director of the new Thor movie. Yeah. Because the trailer of that captures <laughs> that vibe beautifully. Oh, so much. I mean, and it, I got to be in and, and real talk. <clears throat> I'm more excited by that trailer than I was the last Jedi. I, I, that makes sense to me. I, I, yeah. you know, I think it looks great. And, you know, uh, we, we haven't even talked about like Jack Kirby in his artwork, right. how right. Uh, influential he was. Um, but just to kind of shift gears a little bit, um, in terms of fantasy, you know, you, you kind of have these sort of these these two types of narratives. You have the 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 story that takes place in a completely distant world. That's uh, you know, it's about the people that live there. They grew up there. They go on their adventures there. They live and they die there, and they have a relationship with it. And then you have the kind where it's like people from our world cross over to that other world, right? You know, it's more like Chronicles of Narnia. Um, you know, it's, it's the basic thing, you know, Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia. Big difference. Or, like, I, even to some extent, maybe even Star Trek and Star Wars a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is there, like, a, a particular kind of you, that you personally prefer that you think is, is probably, like, a truer fantasy or, like, a true or, like, a, I don't know. I mean, you said Neverending Story is your favorite fantasy book. And and if a little bit, it's it, that actually, that's interesting you say it because I kind of feel if you... Neverending Story is like both. Actually, yes, both of those. Now that I think about it, yeah, I mean Narnia kind of does too. Yeah, um, but I think um, I think Neverending Story does a better job of the world building. Oh yeah, because um, it feels like a lived-in world. I mean, especially even the movie. I mean, you the opening scene of the movie is like, oh, yeah. you know, they go to the, the the palace. Oh no, no, not the palace. The, yeah. Uh, the rock biter and his friends. Yeah, the rock biter and his friends are sitting there talking, and then they end up going to the ivory, the ivory tower. Yeah. Um, and um, but like you're like, yeah, that, that like as soon as that scene opens, it's like, here's all these weirdo characters. Yeah. And like, you know, they're and they're just there, and you're like, they they they're not weirded out by each other. It's just that's, <laughs> that's their reality. By the way, you know that the guy I didn't realize this so recently. A, you know the guy who who rides the racing snail. Yeah, you know that's the same actor who plays Keezer in the new Star Trek movies and was also all of the Oompa Loompas in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Really, same guy. He looks so youthful. I know. Wow, and he looks taller too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah! Wow, that's that's really interesting. Oh, yeah. the snail rider. That's I love those characters. Like, that's a great movie. Yeah, dude. You should read the book. The book's fantastic. I think more pure fantasy is complete world building. Yeah. Like, it's it's less us going to it. Um, I because to me, like, the escapism piece of fantasy is really important. Mm-hmm. And like, it seems sort of like a the author sort of doing the work. Is sort of doing some work for me, oh yeah. Um, because 
me picking up the book, and this is sort of what the Neverending Story attempts to capture, is me picking, because it's, it's a super meta book, really, for its time. But, like, me picking a book and reading that book is me entering into that fantasy world. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, I don't need to read somebody doing what I'm effectively doing right now. Um, unless it's being employed in such a way like the way the Nevering story is and it plays into the whole thing because at some point the book draws you into the book, which is nuts. But anyway, um, 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 but yeah, so I, I think my preference though is lived in fantasy world. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, I bring that up because I, I read something recently where, where Tolkien addressed that and he fought, I mean, you could probably guess what his thoughts were <laughs> because it's, it's kind of. It's kind of well known how he feels about Chronicles of Narnia. And, he know. hated the Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> I think, I mean, it actually was. With his dying breath. I remember it being a pretty harsh quote, too, about like why he kind of felt like that kind of fantasy where like a human being from Earth goes to fantasy world is like a waste of time. Yeah. So, yeah. and I, I think I agree with you. And, you know, it's it's sort of hard. And I think like, um, I think I feel like space opera has had a hard time letting that go as well. And I feel like that's one of the things that makes Star Wars so unique is that it's its own lived in world that any kind of connection or ties to Earth. Right. And nobody is doing that. Like you look at the space opera movies that are coming out now, you know, you like Guardians of the Galaxy, which is great, but still it's it has that connection to Earth. And then, you know, the Star Trek movies, of course, which aren't really space opera, but you know. Um, and even even you know um, the new Luke Besson, um, Valerian, right is is pretty pretty hardcore space opera, but it's still I mean as as far as I know it's still kind of rooted in Earth right. Uh, I don't know. I actually I I, I I think it just takes place in a really because the whole idea is that it's a city made up of a thousand planets, and so okay. I think it's all the different planets. I don't. But I don't know. I, I, apparently, it's a very, it's a fairly well-known graphic novel series, um, right. and um, and I don't know much about it. But that, by the way, that movie I'm super excited for. Uh, yeah, I am too. I love the fifth element, and um, and I that, that movie looks it's my kind of bonkers. Totally. Hey, remember that time we played Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was there was mom, mom. Since we've talking to you a lot this episode, mom. Um, I played Dungeons and Dragons with JP a couple years ago. Just so you know, I did it. And you know what? I didn't get possessed by the devil and I didn't murder anyone. You did it in the presence of your child, too, which is kind of, you know, I don't know if that. Was Charlie there? You, you brought him with Yeah, you. that's right. That's right. Cause, and, and Kana was there. And even Kana was like, she she kind of wanted to get involved. Um <laughs> You know, it's, I just, it's so silly. It's so silly because, because Dungeons and Dragons is just simply structured make-believe. Yeah. I mean, when we were playing it, even, I mean, most of it is just kind of trying to figure out how to actually play it. Uh, Right. (laughs) Because that's most of our night. It was my first night, uh, it was my first night DMing as the Dungeon Master. And um, it was, uh, it was difficult. And then uh, people got. I think people were getting a little impatient, and so I started just to. I just started making things up, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's struck. It's structured make believe. That's all it is. Yeah, it's structured make believe. I think it was funny about it is that it was it was you, me, and Matt, and then two of Matt's friends, um, who are not in the least bit nerdy at all, 
But, but they, they got into it. Well, it's because it was game night. That's why they're there. Like every week we, we had game night when I was hanging out with them. And I was like, okay, I get to choose the next game next week, guys. <laughs> and I brought I brought Dungeons and Dragons. Um and they they did. They got really into it. They started playing with each other. I'm like, no, guys, I'm I'm supposed to be involved in this. <laughs> right. I am the DM. Yeah. Dungeon master. Master. Yeah. Um, and that was we never did it again. That was the only time we did it. Um, we did it. I totally would have done it again. And I've got I've got priest friends who do it every like I think like every week through yeah. Skype. Um, I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> I, I have I have a ton of fun doing it. I, I don't know if I like being a dungeon master. I think it, I need more practice. But there's some kind of like I've been doing it every now and then with my cousins since I've been in Oklahoma, and my my cousin. Uh, is a really is actually a really good game master. We do we do Pathfinder, and we even tried start playing a, this vampire one, which I'm not really that into. But I will say I have a ton of fun doing it because I also really like improv, and it's sort of a sort of a chance for me to like practice comedy improv, right? You know, and uh, I just, it's a blast. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was fun. It was it was a good time. Um, and for me, it was like, I'm giving a, a giant middle finger to all the fundies <laughs> that gave me chick tracks growing up. Was there a little bit of apprehension when you're, when, when we were participating, Chuck, or did you feel a little, a little guilt? A little... No, I will say there was, <laughs> there was a, there was a moment, there really? was a little, little voice where I was like, what if this all goes south and like a, de- and a demon does do something to you? Like, what, if I, what if I just started lighting candles and like, <laughs> yeah, there was a very small a, part where I like, put on a robe. Am I, am I doing something wrong? Um, God. um, but nah, you know, I part of me wanted to call Pat and be like, Hey Pat, I'm sorry. Let's, let's, uh, let's get together and let's get together and play some. Oh, and I'm not talking about father fun. I'm talking about Pat oh. from my trailer park. The oh. kid that I ran away from, I kind of wanted to track him down and be like, "It's okay, man. I play Dungeons and Dragons now. We're cool." <laughs> man, that's so cool, man. I, I've heard stories of like people who have like twenty five year long campaigns, and um, actually, the the Vin Diesel movie that came out last year, the Witch, uh, the uh, the, the last, Witcher? the last Witch Hunter. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's actually based on uh, Vin Diesel's uh, Dungeons and Dragons character. I know, which is so awesome. <laughs> and you know what? I saw the movie. I was fairly disappointed. Yeah, that's I've heard. It's you know when you even knowing the bonkers background that the execution's really not so great. Yeah, for a D and D campaign, it was not that action packed. Not a whole lot of uh, opening treasure chests and, and goblins. Well, one thing I. Um, we should we should actually what would happen if we were to develop a, a role playing game based on um pilgrim's progress like <laughs> that would, would be would, uh, that'd be that'd be weird i think i mean um, i think it'd be cool to develop something like that like, why why stop there let's bring in paradise lost and dante's inferno let's throw that into the mix and, yeah, dude or bro 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 yeah this present darkness <laughs> and this present darkness and while we're at it thief in the night 
<laughs> it's a, a rapture based or RPG would be funny. Um, actually, um, that's what I, what, there was a brief period of time in my life where I wanted to be a video game designer and I had like a whole like fantasy R- RPG based on the rapture that oh, really? I had developed called, called Alpha and Omega. Um, well, yeah, I, I, I was, I was in, I, I wrote many drafts of a script that was basically a, a Christian version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, mine was basically wrapped was um was Final Fantasy eight, yeah. but the Rapture. Yeah, um, <laughs> nice. Now, now, one thing we haven't touched on within the fantasy world, yeah, because we 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 began this podcast episode with, um, talking about levels of nerdiness, mm-hmm. and there is one level of nerdiness that is so extreme, but at the same time so compelling to me that I know that I cannot go near it. Okay. And that is the live action role playing. Oh, LARPing. Yes. Um, I, in seminary, uh, I was introduced. I didn't know this thing existed until I was in seminary because two of my friends introduced me to a little documentary called Darkon. Yeah. I've seen that, which I cannot recommend enough. (laughs) I've watched it a number of times and the thing is, is that Darkon takes place in Maryland near where our seminary is. Oh, yeah. And I found that my two friends um, who introduced me to the movie, they decided to take a little pilgrimage to the area where they do like the big public version of their game, like where they, they're on the field and they have their battle. Yeah. And they said that they had to leave and had to take an oath with each other that they would not go back because they knew that if they did, they would join <laughs> and they would get nothing done in life. For those and of you listening, I, I I would probably do the same. Yeah. Uh, for those of you listening, live action role playing. Uh, the role play we've been talking about is, is tabletop. You basically just sit around a table and you have sort of a collective imagination that you're just sort of playing along with. Live action role playing. You take it a step further. <laughs> uh, not not a step, my friend. <laughs> like five steps. Yeah. Uh, you usually uh, it is it is expected uh, that you dress as your character. Uh, that you that you act as your character uh, at all time. Well, not all the time, but most of the time you are in character and you're actually physically interacting with each other. Um, and you know, there's 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 certain people who who take this to like, I mean, there's like whole enormous competitions of this kind of stuff where like it's like a, a medieval and they're all dressed up as knights and they all like have like foam swords and they fight each other. Right. And they, they will like make their own legitimate chainmail and stuff. Yeah, um, I've actually sat in on a live action role playing session, um, and it was the Vampire Masquerade <laughs> thing that I was talking about earlier that I'm not really into. Um, and it was actually way more tame than I was expecting. Um, the people were, were really nice, and and some of them were actually really funny. Uh, but it was interesting. It was kind of like watching, um, you know, if you go to like uh, Disney World or something and the characters sort of interact with each other, like on the side of the streets and stuff. Yeah. Not that different from that. Right. I I, I did try to convince a few of my friends that we should go, but we should develop. We should just show up. All of us dressed in monk robes. And basically, like, we we are we our thing is is that we are 
we're a pacifistic Christian religious group that tries to stop conflict. And so like we would like pray for them on the sidelines or like try to actively intervene that they wouldn't fight anymore. That's funny. I think that's all I kind of have for this subject. Unless you want to, anything else you want to say about fantasy? Uh, I, I don't, I have, um, other than, um, um, everyone should be playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, it is, it is amazing. Definitely. And we didn't really get to talk about Harry Potter, but I feel like we will have a Harry Potter episode one day. So, oh, and I, there is no, and there is no shortage of experts in Harry Potter and the Episcopal church that I could bring in because oh, really? Episcopal. Oh my gosh, the Episcopalians have gravitated to that thing like nobody's business. I, because it's British, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. There's probably it's a lot like, of other little we other all like, we like Doctor all Who fans. C.S. Lewis. Well, we're like all C.S. Lewis people, and now it's like, oh, here's Harry Potter. And now like it's yeah. all like, here's how Harry Potter can talk about the gospel. Here's blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, and yeah, the Anglophile element in the Episcopal Church, brother, is... So, I'm guessing a lot of Harry Potter nerds and a lot of... Maybe a lot of Doctor Who nerds as well. A lot of Whovians. Yes, there are there are there are Whovians as well. Nice. Not nearly to the level of the of the um, of the Harry Potter, but yeah. Um, we should talk about what we're going to do next month. Next month, what's happening next month, John Post? Next month is Music Mayhem. Yay! What is Music Mayhem? Yay! Each week, we will be. Uh, one master of divinity will be recommending to the other masters of divinity an album to listen to. And we will come back that next week. We'll convene after uh, spending a week up to our ears in that in, in said album. And then we're going to be talking about that album. And that's what that's what May is going to be all about. And if I'm not mistaken, that this will be an event that is including not only the three traditional members of the Masters of Divinity, Divinity no, podcast. It is also going to involve Keelan and Father Fun. Exactly. We've got the whole gang involved. Yeah. I'm actually pretty excited to find out um, and interested to find out what um, Father Fun is going to recommend. Keelan, I have some suspicions, but I think he's going to surprise me. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I'm excited about Keelan because I feel like I might learn something unless he totally, like, I don't know, trolls us. What if what if what if he um what if he what if he does self promotion and makes us listen to his EP? <laughs> that, his EP his EP is excellent. I mean it it really yeah. is. Like it, it is when good. it comes on when it comes on my shuffle, I'm like this is this is really good. This should be on radio. Yeah. So it's gonna be a really fun month. Um and that means that means since it starts next month, it means next month is we're talking about a rec uh, an album. So that means that you're supposed to give us an album tonight, right? Yes. Is that, is that how it works? Okay. Yes. I'm ready. And I wish um, – Matt, I hope you're listening because you, you, you have to do this homework too. So uh, I'm going to recommend an album right now, and I'm going to say it right now. Uh, next week, we will be talking about Green Day's Dookie. Yes. 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 W while you listen to this, uh, Chuck and, and Matt and our listeners who want to kind of play along, while you listen to Dookie, whether you're listening to it, you know, in your car on your way to work or from back from work or running errands or if you're listening to it in your office, uh, you know, trying to escape or whatever. I want you to imagine being a young preteen or, or teenager in 1996 listening to this album for the very first time and being sort of your introduction to rock music. Because that's what it was for me. 
it was on my 13th birthday that I bought three CDs. It was the first birthday where I was given money as a present. And I bought three CDs. I bought, no, I take it back, four CDs. I bought four CDs. I bought uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> the, um, what was the album? Was that the Broken Hanger or whatever? And I don't believe in times of wasting. <laughs> Time of wasting. Yeah, that's that one. Yeah, I bought uh, Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. Ooh. Which I was actually debating on on doing that one. Um, that's actually a really good album. Um, the Twister soundtrack. <laughs> oh, really? Though that Goo Goo Doo, that Goo Goo Doll song on that is pretty awesome. I got it for the Goo Goo Doll song and for there's, there's a Van Halen song on there that I really liked. And then, of course, Dookie by Green Day. And I'm not going to get too much into it because I want to talk about more next week. But that album, out of all of those albums I bought, this one was like opening up a window into like the rest of my teenage years. It was like the first piece of music that ever like spoke to me because, you know, the CDs had liner notes and lyrics that you read, which is, I think, like a foregone, a a, a bygone activity these days. Right. Right. Um, And I'm like reading these things and like, they're funny. And then some of them kind of repulse me a little, but also like, Oh, that makes sense though. Um, I didn't feel that with anything else that I that I had and or was reading or, or listening to, and um, it just really affected me. You know, I bought it because I really liked the song "Basket Case." Uh, Dude, it's all of our introduction to that. Yeah, "Basket Case." What's the other one? "When I Come Around." Yes. And I actually listened to the album today. It's only thirty eight minutes long. Yep. Um, I listened to the album today, and I was like just jamming, like rocking out. Uh, and what's funny is I was listening it to the room where I first listened to it. Nice. Uh, so, and I was actually kind of expecting the same thing to happen back then. It was just my, one of my grandparents or my aunt and my mom. Turn it down. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I'm glad you. I'm glad you recommend because I love that album. I'm. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I want to save it for the episode. Yeah. Um, but I will say that I'm so grateful that you re- recommended that because um, about a year or so ago, yeah, I. F- Found it at Goodwill for a dollar. Nice uh, on CD. Um, I think some some Gen X guy like decided that he went all digital because I got in one fell swoop. Jagged Little Pill, Sixteen Stone um, by Bush, um, um, Dookie, um, I th- um, Jewels, Pieces of You, um, and um, and what was this? Actually, I have this Counting Crows album right here. Um, August Gosh. and Everything After, which is fantastic. Wow. Um, first real major, uh, first uh, major release for the, for the cutting crows. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was a great, like Gen X, like swap. So I have Dookie. Um, I'm also convinced by the way, and this is probably a better anecdote for the episode, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I am convinced that Dookie is an album that everyone of a certain age owned. It's, yeah. it's a magical album. Yeah. And that being said, mom, if you're listening, don't listen to Dookie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know it's it was my introduce my I've introduction to about that album. yeah my introduction to rock my introduction to punk and it's like it just it's the first thing the first it has to be the first piece of art that personally spoke to me and didn't like turn me off to like youth culture you know so yeah actually I'm gonna I'm gonna sell I'm gonna share a real quick story I know we're running out of time but I have to yeah. I have to share one story because it's it, it's somewhat fitting to this episode related to Dookie um, so Pat the kid that invited me to play Dungeons and Dragons that I ran away from. Mm-hmm. 
he had it because I was I grew up in a Christian household where I couldn't listen to non-Christian music and I had to have Dookie like I had to listen to the whole thing and Pat had it so he let me borrow his copy of Dookie and I snuck it into my CD player and I'm, I'm sure my mom will admit something different than my experience but I was I was listening to it on my in my CD player in the car next to her driving to school or something that morning yeah. and I remember I remember her going what are you listening to? <laughs> and my heart dropped. But luckily I was really quick. And I was like, MXPX, I'm listening to MXPX. <laughs> That's funny. Because I didn't think my mom would know the difference if she put them on. If she, you know, passing. She's like, okay. He's like, and like, yeah, it's Christian punk. It's a Christian punk man. Um, mom, confession. It was Green Day Dookie. Um, you would not have approved. Yeah. You still would probably not approve. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it holds a special but place in my heart. Pat. Thanks, Pat. And it's not just a nostalgic thing. It's also, it's still just a great album, if you ask me. And, you know, I listened to it so many times all the way through when I was a kid. And my favorite thing to do was to press play on track one, press start on Mortal Kombat 2 on Super Nintendo, and I would just play Mortal Kombat 2 while listening to the entire album. That's too much 90s, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll be talking about Dookie next week. Listen to it. And uh, hopefully Matt listens to it as well. I'm sure he will. All right. All right. And Keelan and, J- and Keelan and Father Fun, you listen to it too. Yeah. You're you you're even though you're not on this episode right now, you're 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 part of this thing. <laughs> um Chuck, thank you so much for uh, uh, talking about fantasy with me tonight. It 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 was it was a fantasy come true. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Green Day with you and with Matt and everybody else. And uh, thank you uh, audience for listening. And have a wonderful week and good journey. Good journey.